The following is a breakout session from the 2014 Acts 29 conference in Dallas. Given the interactive nature of breakouts and Q&A, there may be extended periods of silence. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, in Jesus' name, would you, may your spirit just continue to move in our midst and to direct us in truth, Lord God. Oh, Father, I pray that, that this time would be holy and acceptable to you and, and, and that we would take all that we've learned from this, this weekend, Lord, this week, and that it would change and transform our lives. Oh, Father, may it bring you greater glory in every aspect and facet of who we are. Oh, Father, we love you. We long to see you glorified through our lives. May you do that here now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, sir. Well, um, wasn't that last session amazing? I mean, that was just amazing. And here's the cool part about it is we're going to get to continue in that whole vein in this session. It, it, it's just a total God thing. Matt Chandler just set me up so perfect. that, As you guys know, the, the title of this whole breakout session is living in the presence of God. I mean, another way you could say that is abiding in the presence of God and the importance of that. And I want to start, it's going to be hilarious, but I want to start by telling you about a man who lost his job he was a white-collar guy, but, you know, because of the recession, because of the economy, lost his job, looking for work, trying to support his family. And so he, he, he responds to an ad on Craigslist for logging. And he shows up in, at, this, at this plant, and, and he, he goes to the foreman and says, I need a job. And, and he, the, the foreman could tell right away that this guy had never worked outside in his life. But he knew that this guy was a hard worker, and he says, I'll give you a, I'll give you a shot. See that tree right there? Take it down. This guy went, went to work on that tree and he goes, all right, I'll give you a shot. You start Monday. And so this man started on Monday and he worked hard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but Thursday rolls around and that same foreman comes back and says, hey, you can pick up your check on your way out. He's like, hey, wait, I, th I thought we got paid on Fridays. And he says, we do, but I'm letting you go. He says, why? Why are you letting me go? He says, because you keep falling further and further behind with all the other men. You started off great, but now, I mean, you're literally picking up the rear. And he says, it's not for lack of effort. I, I'm, I'm serious. I've been trying. I've been working hard. And, and the foreman knew that he was an honest man. And, and so as he looked at this guy in the eye, he asked this question, have you taken time to sharpen your axe? And, and the young man said, no. He says, well, there's your problem. And, and so I, I set that for you this morning. Because I think that sometimes for us as, as leaders in the church, we can do that, can't we? We can do that very same thing. Our lives, our leaders are exactly like that. We sometimes get so busy that we don't take time to sharpen our axe. In today's churches, it seems that everyone is busier. And, and there's people that are less and less content in their walk with Jesus. In their service to Jesus and I often think is because we've forgotten how to stay sharp as Christians now, now please understand when I say that I'm not about to stand up here and give you a list of things we must do to stay sharp what I'm challenging and calling us as men and women today to do is to abide in the presence of God 
the most important thing that we can do to stay sharp is to abide. But what does that look like? Now, I know that for some of you are going, hey, I do that. I'm, I'm abiding. I, I read my Bible. I have prayer time. I'm reading books. I'm doing these things. But that's not what we're talking about here. We can even point to services. I do so much for the Lord. I love Jesus. But, but may I submit to you, that, that's not just, that's not abiding. That's, that's a product of it. And I want to look together with you guys this morning at a case study of a church that stopped abiding with Jesus. So if you have a Bible, would you open up with me to the book of Revelation chapter 2? Now, if you're Hispanic, then you know that I'm saying it wrong because all Hispanics say the book of Revelations. <laughs> it's multiple. I had to learn that over the years to say Revelation and stop at the end. But Revelation, in Revelation chapter 2, the Lord is writing a letter to a church in Ephesus. But more specifically, we find out that he's not writing just a letter to the church of Ephesus. He's writing a letter to the pastors of the church of Ephesus. How do we know this? We don't have time to go through all of the context. Let me give you just a little bit of context so you know where we're going with this. Look back with me at chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. As, as Jesus is explaining to John this vision that he sees, he says, As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands stands are the seven churches. We know that this word angel means angelos or messenger. And then some people say, well, it's an angel. No, it's the pastors, the people that are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is writing a letter to these people because we know this, that the pulpit, the pastors, they lead the church out. And as the pastor go, the church goes. And so we're going to see now where the pastors have led this church. And notice how it goes. Right off the bat, verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. How you cannot bear with those who, who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. Can we just stop right there? We, literally, we could spend so much time just right here, but just as an encouragement to you pastors, Jesus knows where you're at and what you're doing. Jesus walks among your church. He sees what you're going through. He, he, he is with you in this. I, I've been there, haven't you, where it's like, Lord, where are you right now? There's times in our church plants, there's times in ministry where it's hard to, to discern God's hand and presence in our midst. But, but the Bible is clear that he's there because God loves his bride more than you and I ever will. And, and, he's, and he's encouraging this pastor, he's encouraging this church, I'm with you, I'm here, I walk among you. And, and I've seen your works and notice this, they're all good. They're all amazing things. They have a, a taste for truth. And, and notice how he says this in the word here. He says, I, I see your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. This is a church that's long-suffering. This is, as, as we know, as we read the history of Ephesus, we know what this church is going through. He says, how you cannot bear with those who are evil. You, and, and the only way you don't bear with evil is you, you've appreciated truth. 
They have a taste and a hunger for truth. But there's become a point in this church as we're gonna see is that their love for truth has trumped their love for Jesus. And then notice what he says in verse four. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned that love that you had at first. He says, you're doing all the things right. You're, you're, you, you, you're guarding the, the, the truth. You're doing all these things, but you've abandoned, you've literally walked out on that love that you had for me at first. Now, can you imagine hearing that? Can you imagine receiving this letter from John? What does God say to us? You've walked out on me. You've become unfaithful. And can you imagine, I mean, just even reading this is, but Lord, we're doing many mighty works in your name. But what does Jesus say to people like that? In Matthew chapter seven, there may be some people, and maybe some of you in here that one day you're gonna hear, I never knew you. See, planting a church for God doesn't mean that you're in love with God. And see, that's the first place that I even want to challenge some of you men that are thinking of planting. Or Do you love God or do you love what he offers? Do you love him? Because here's the fact of the matter. The goal of Christianity is what? To be more like Jesus. To be changed and transformed by the image of God, his holy son into Jesus. He says, you've left your first love. How, what a sad day to open up that letter. My prayer, my, my, my leader's letter is that, that that would never be said of our church. But, but here's what I have to be honest with you about. Leaving or abandoning your love for Christ doesn't happen all at once, does it? You don't just wake up one morning and decide to throw your life in the crapper, right? I think I'm gonna go snort some crack. You know, I'm gonna steal from the church and you don't do that it it happens subtly and softly over time it's not it's not a bolt out the door it's a step by step out the door for your love for christ and all of a sudden your love and affection for christ and what he's done in your life and want to tell people about that has been replaced by your love for numbers and systems and all these things and it's so sad I know it's going to be very redundant, but, but here's what I want you to see from John chapter 15. It's in my notes. It's just, I was like, wow, okay. The, yeah, amen, that's what I said, amen. I, 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 and it's important we need to hear this one more time. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And that branch is gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. I don't want that to be any of us men or women in this room this morning. 
But, but notice the key to this. It's abiding in the love and the presence of God that he leads you and guides you every step of the way, that, that you're seeking his love and affection in all that you do, that your whole life is about bringing him glory. Not just in the successes, but even in the failures. That's what it means to abide. Now, again, it's funny because Matt Chandler addressed it and I have it in my notes because I know that I'm talking to a bunch of Reformed dudes. And the question is brought up, well, then wait a minute. You're saying that, hey, we're going to lose our salvation? No. But you know what we will lose? Our reward. I want you to see this with me. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. When our love for Christ is replaced by love for, his, for things that he can offer you, here's what happens. Look with me and jump in for sake of time in verse 10. Paul says this, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. There's going to be a day when I'm going to give an account for what I've done in the name of Christ for Christ. And the things that go through the fire and are, become ash are the things that I did for my kingdom. To build for me, for my glory, for my fame. The gold, the precious jewels, the silver, those are things that I did for the fame and the glory and in love relationship with Christ. Out of a love for Christ, I serve and devote myself to him. And so, so we're not going to lose salvation, but we can lose reward. And I don't want either of us to ever come up on that day wanting, lacking. So what does it mean? Let's look at this. If we look at the whole Bible, what do we see? That God has always been about gathering a people to himself that he can reveal his glory to and his glory through. That's what he's always been about. And as we spend time in God's presence, abiding in his love, receiving and being reflectors of that love, we bring him glory. As leaders, as churches, as people. And it's important that we understand that, that God isn't looking for, for better men. I mean, for better churches, he's looking for better men and women. I want to give you this quote. Because here's my danger. Here's the danger that I'm afraid that we're going we're gonna to walk away doing. We, we've learned all the structures and we've learned all this good stuff. And we're going, okay, if I go and implement this, God's going to love our church more. We're going to be more effective. And, and those things may be true. But, but here's what Ian Bounds says. We are constantly on a stretch, if not a strain, to devise new methods, new plans, new organizations to advance the church and secure enlargement and efficiency for the gospel. The trend of the day has a tendency to lose sight of the man or sink the man in the plan or organization. God's plan is to make much of the man for more of him than anything else. Men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. He goes on to say, 
What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, but new organ- not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but he anoints men. That anointing comes by spending time with the God who lovingly saved you from your sin. Oh, that we would be men and women that meet with God regularly out of our love and sincere affection and devotion to him. I've missed it. I'm guilty of being the guy that that my time with the Lord is my time in study. Well, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm spending time with you, but I'm preparing messages not only for me, but for people, but not growing personally in Jesus. But I remember back in the day when I would, would love to just get away. You know, Matt talked about that day in, in, in his month where he gets alone with a, with a book in the Bible and writes. You didn't have to schedule that for me. There was days in my life, as busy as my life was, where I couldn't wait just to just dive in and let God's word lovingly embrace me and change and transform me. What about you? When's the last time you spent quality time with Jesus? in a way where you felt his love, heard his voice, connected to his will. And not just through study for something you're going to prepare and bring on on Sunday where you're crafting one sentence, how is this going to sound, how is it going to come across? Lord, what do you need to speak to me? Lord, what do you need to change in me? If the goal is to be like Jesus, the only way we can become like Jesus is being in his presence. One last example, Exodus chapter 34. Many of us know the story. Moses comes back down the mountain after meeting with God another 40 days. But this time when Moses comes down the mountain, it's different, isn't it? When Moses sees the people and the people see Moses, it's a different Moses. Last time when the people saw Moses, there was anger on his face. Because they're in sin. This time when they see Moses, Moses' face is glowing with the glory of God. Now, we can talk about why he had to veil his face and the diminishing glory that fades and pointing to the covenant and all that stuff. We don't have time for that. But can we just agree together right now that the reason why Moses' countenance was changed because he was in the direct presence of God. We forget that as pastors. We forget that as Christians, that, that we want to see true transformation in our lives, in our churches. It happens by spending time in God's presence. Right? That's what Romans chapter 12 says, right? That we're not to be conformed. We're not to be molded into the way the world does things, but we're to be transformed. Metamorpheo. That only happens by spending time in God's presence. And here's what I'll submit to you lastly, and I'm going to let you guys get to where you guys need to get. If you look at the qualifications for a pastor in 1 Timothy, all of the qualifications are character qualifications. Now, you can say, well, there's one. They're able to teach. And I would agree. But do you realize that even in the Greek, when you look at that in the Greek, that word can not only be translated as, as 
able to teach or being able to teach, but it also can be translated teachable. It can go either way. And so as you look at all those character qualifications, these are character qualifications that you and I don't naturally possess. Hospitable is not in our nature. We're selfish. Long-suffering. The only way these character qualities are, are being made manifest in our lives is through the power and the working of Jesus. And the more we spend time with Jesus, the more that he transforms us to be like him and the more that we are qualified to teach his word and lead his people. And I'm not here to beat you up. What I'm here to do is exhort you guys. As, as you plan out your methods and you plan out strategy leading from here, make sure that, that a huge chunk of that is spending time in the presence of Jesus. Our hero, Martin Luther, right? We all love Martin Luther. What was his famous quote? I have so much to do today, I gotta spend the first three hours in prayer. Wow. And, I, and I, we would all, amen, right? My three hours is when I'm sleeping. Thank you, Lord. He gave God the best time in prayer. He's focused, seeking God, hearing from God. Lord, change me, confront me. Do what you need to do. He sought God's presence, and that's where God's power came. I love you guys. When you guys go back to your cities and you go back to your churches, oh, may we be a people that is known for God's presence in our midst. Because that's all that separates us from the world, right? The only difference between us and, and the person and the corner bar is Jesus. The presence of Jesus. That's one thing I love about even Moses in Exodus. He says, Lord, if, if you're not going with us, then don't bring us up from here. Oh, may we be a people that that's our heart. Lord, you move us. You direct us. You lead us. You speak to us. You move in our midst in mighty ways. As we as a church have sought to do that, we've seen God do some amazing things. Changing and transforming the complexion of myself and our leadership and our church. And it's awesome. Just one quick story. Last week, two weeks ago, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Amarisa, she um, suffers with her kidneys. One kidney is underdeveloped and, and um, she has reflux from her kidney and her bladder. So we had to go for this little procedure because this valve that, that, that is between her kidney and her bladder wasn't functioning right. It's got a lot of infections and it could be could potentially harmful. And so the doctor says, hey, you know, we had last year, we had one fixed. And, and so what the doctor told us is we, we saw stuff going wrong again is that either the one he fixed is not working again or either the other side's not working. So, okay. So we scheduled the surgery, we scheduled all that stuff and the day came. But before that, as, as a church, we said, Lord, Amarisa is yours and you can heal her. Oh, Lord, we ask you to, and please do this. And so we go in this room, and, and the way this procedure's done is it's done through uh, x-ray that they can see inside as they're doing this. And so they fill her bladder, and they empty it, they fill her bladder, and they empty it, and the doctor and the radiologist turn to us and go, there's nothing wrong here. We don't have to perform the surgery. You can go home. And, and no more 
no more bladder infections, none of that. It's, it's, it's amazing God's presence in our midst to believe God at his word, that he can do what he says he can do. Seek him. What, what, what are you facing as a church, as a church plant? Is it finances? Is it leadership? What is it? Seek God's presence in that place, in your midst. Let him move. Don't look for a strategy, a method. Look for God to show up and do something miraculous. Let him do something. Get out of the way. Now, I'm not saying you don't create structure and trellis and vine stuff. We all, hey, we get that. But I think sometimes we focus too much on that trellis. Let's be part of the vine. God said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Let's do what branches do. Produce fruit. God love you. And may God's face shine upon you. Wherever you go, back to your cities, into your homes, into your families, into your churches, may he use you mightily for his kingdom and for his glory. Amen. Love you guys. Any questions? Okay. That's okay. I, I agree with you 100%. I think the biggest way, so did you, everybody hear that? So, so we know it practically, we know it theologically, we know it mentally, but, but how as pastors can we lead out in that way? How can we, how can we do this? And the number one way that we found at, at our church to do that is to make room in our worship experience, in our community groups, in those areas to lead out in those ways. So we have times of prayer and we have every, every single community group leader we've given oil to and we, we, hey, we, let's pray. Let's lay hands on here. Let's seek God's presence for your marriage right now. And, and so we, um, obviously through discipleship, we're, we're not gonna shy away from, from the verses that, that talk about God's presence in our lives and, and, and God movement in our churches. We're not gonna back down from those. We're gonna believe God that, that, hey, this is real and this is true. We're not gonna take them out of their context. We're not gonna proof text things, but we're actually gonna say, hey, let's believe God for this right now. I'll give you one more example. We're, we're, we're trying to raise money for our building that we've bought, like all of us. And... Uh, we have this team, or this finance team, and we're praying. And Lord, we're just praying this past weekend because we needed to hit a certain number by this weekend. And so, literally, 
in our offering was that amount. And so these people have been working like everything for what, five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. And, and it was like, we're not going to make this. And then all of a sudden it was like, God shows up and here it is. And it wasn't through twisting people's arms and, and you have to do this and everyone we're going to require this from you. It was God showing up. And then we celebrate that as a church. And we say, see, look, here's what God's doing. We, 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 we make pe- room for people to share their stories of here's what God's done in my life. Here's how God's presence in my life has changed and transformed my marriage, changed and transformed my child, changed and transformed the way I do business. This is how we make room for that and we celebrate that publicly. Does that answer your question? Yeah, so can I say back what I heard from the Yeah. Exactly. Amen. You got it. We've also what he just did. Let me see this. This is my hermano up here. He has a community group situation we were talking about last night. A real heavy, heavy situation. He's letting his leader handle it. Yeah. It's in those dark, hard times. That really, what Chandler we're talking about. That's when you fall on your face. And your prayer life goes off the chart because you cannot do it. So as lead guys, if we answer all the questions and fill in all the gaps, our leaders never mature. Yeah. And I, I'm watching Carlos do that right now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, it's a crazy, crazy situation. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh, yeah, and it's fear because it, yeah, no, not a healthy fear, but a fear of like, I'm going to have to come to the end of me. And one of the things that we say at our church and like what, what we'll say is that in order to, to come into the presence of the God, you have to come to the end of you. You don't start living until you come to the end of yourself. And, and that, it, it, it freaks people out. Because it, we come to that place is that if God is really who he says he can do whatever he wants with my life, Yeah. And that's because, yeah, they're lying. Yeah. It's like my brother said this morning is that that's when we become, basically, functionally, we, be, we, we become Arminians. Great question. Did you guys hear that? Okay, so what do you say to the leader that, that is spiritually dry right now, that the church is going well, the, the functions are great, structure's great, and, and, but he's not. 
you know what, is I want to let you guys free, let you guys loose, but I stopped short of all that I want to teach you. I thought Matt did an amazing job, but here's what the Bible says. So I'll, I'll give you what the Bible says. It's what I use. Notice his remedy for this type of love loss. Here's what he says back in Revelation chapter two. He says, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Three things, remember. Remember what it was like when you first loved Jesus. Remember what it was like to see God's hand moving in your life. To remember they just like the, the mountains that you thought you would never get over in your life, those, those mountains that were just placed there as insurpassable. You just watch God just take porn and anger and whatever, just boom, is moving stuff. And you're just so in love with Jesus because he's doing these things for you, not because you're worthy, because he is. Amen. Remember that? Yep. Well, Jesus hasn't changed. Right, one of the things that, you know, we're Hispanic, right? So, when we, we Hispanic, you know, Friday nights, you know what we do? We cruise, yeah. right? And, and, and we, we're going to see all of our plebe, we're going to see all our family, hey, what's going on? Right, that's what we do. But one of the things we'd like to do when we cruise is you've got to have a bench seat in your car because you've got to have your, your babes right here, right? She sits right next to you. Now, there's plenty of room over there, but this this is where she belongs right next to that rib just well, yeah and you're cruising what's up right but you know what happens over time with with a couple all of a sudden the wife's sitting over there on the other side your girlfriend she, she's sitting right there now she's your wife and you know what she's saying on the other side she's sitting on the other side going, you don't love me no more and you're like why don't i love you well you you don't even sit next to me and then you, you i haven't moved But I think that's what we do to God sometimes. Right? We go, Lord, do you even love me anymore? You know what God's saying to us sometimes? I haven't moved. I'm right here. My arms are not short that I can't save. So remember what that was like. And then notice what the next word is, right? We can preach this, but do we preach this to ourselves? Repent. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent. Where have you stopped believing God in your life? We have to repent of that. Lord, I don't think you're going to provide this. Lord, I don't think you're going to do this. Lord, I've, I've, I've fallen into unbelief in so many areas of my life. Repent from those things. And then what's the last thing? Redo. Remember, repent, redo. Redo the first works you did at first. Well, that, that negates grace, Pastor Cardell. So, you know, no, hey, this is sanctification. Radical transformation takes radical amputation. And remember, when, when we were first saved, nothing was off limits for Jesus. But how many is right now, if God says, hey, you know, we were talking about this last night. If God said, hey, I, I need your church. Wait, what? Well, Lord, no, you, you, don't, you don't mean that. I, I must have heard wrong. Remember, repent, redo. Trust God with everything. Put yourself out there. Hey, remember when you just, like, you put yourself out there for God to do some amazing things and he did? What's the last big thing you risked for God? Where you said, Lord, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I want to just show up here, but I believe you called me to this. Remember, repent, redo. That's what I would say because that's what the Bible says. Anyone else? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, 
Forgive us, Lord God, for replacing a love relationship with you, for, for your presence abiding in our midst, for methods and organization and proficiency. Forgive us, Lord. Lord, not that those things are wrong, but when it replaces your presence, it is. Oh, Lord, may we be a people. May we be pastors that, that, that are in love with you. And may that be clear to all the people that we encounter in our lives. Not feigned, Lord, but genuine. Oh, Father, I pray as my brothers and sisters in this room step out in faith, as they remember from where they've fallen, as they repent from the sins in their lives, as they redo the first works, I pray that you would meet them and you confirm that you love them and that you're with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. One thing that I have written, not in this Bible because it's a new one, but in one of my other Bibles that I preach from is that I remind myself, the closer I get to Jesus, the closer I get to his bride. So never stop pursuing Jesus. God bless you guys.